Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and we can observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. In this episode, I want to discuss what is perhaps the main dividing line between the church that I clearly see in Scripture and the many churches that exist in our time today and for many years past. And that is the subject of baptism. Clearly, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that Jesus is Lord and Christ. And he commanded them on that occasion, those that heard him, to repent and let every one of them be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptism is probably the most hotly contested issue in contemporary churches, in contemporary religious circles. And the question or the issue about baptism uh, is whether or not baptism is for the remission of sins. And so I'm going to pose some questions uh, in this particular uh, episode. But before I do, I want to address the topic or the title, I should say. I saw this title online and then I read it. It was put out uh, by a member of the church and it was titled, If Baptism Isn't for the Remission of Sins. And so what I want my listeners to know is that the things that I'll be talking about are original to Scripture, but also this title and uh, the way some of this will be put together and worded was from an article that I found. So some of this is not original to me, but I'm going to add my comments and thoughts to it. Most importantly, we will evaluate Scripture. If baptism isn't for the remission of sins... And so what I want to do in dealing with that topic or that heading, that title, I want to pose some questions that should be answered before a person can honestly conclude that baptism doesn't have anything to do uh, with remission of sins, but instead the idea that's so commonly accepted that baptism only serves as a public testimony of faith. And nine times out of ten, that's what you will hear from most religious leaders and most uh, denominations that profess Christianity today. That baptism doesn't have anything to do with being forgiven or becoming a Christian or being saved. It only serves as a public testimony of faith. Now, I'm going to negate that. I'm going to argue against that with the title if baptism isn't for the remission of sins, and then I'm going to pose some questions that have to be answered honestly. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, I turn your attention to Acts chapter 2 where I started, verses 36 through 38. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did the apostle Peter answer those looking to be forgiven looking to call on the name of the Lord by telling them to repent 
and let each of you or every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why? How many people today would be comfortable giving this answer? Let's say you were to go to your local uh, Baptist church or Methodist church or Catholic church or Presbyterian church or Anglican or Lutheran or your local community church, your local assembly of God, your local um, uh, church of God denomination, your local uh, Pentecostal uh, denomination, and ask them about these matters. How many of those religious leaders and those denominations, how many of them, if they were asked, what must I do or what must I obey to be right with God? Uh, How must I or what must I do to become a Christian? How must I call on the name of the Lord? How many of them would answer and say, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. How many of them will say that, I wonder? Just an honest question. You know, if if your religious leader, if you're listening to this and your religious leader wouldn't say that, you need to ask, well, why in the world would you not? And I've heard people say, well, you know, Peter was speaking to Jews and all this and that and the other, and we're not Jews, and they would have understood what uh, physical washings were and Folks, baptism is not a physical washing. It's a spiritual cleansing. And we learn that from other passages, such as 1 Peter 3.21 and and other places. It's a spiritual cleansing. It's the operation of God, Colossians 2.12. And I might come back to that passage later. So if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did Peter answer those looking to be forgiven by telling them to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins? Number two, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did the eunuch, as recorded in Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, why did the eunuch request baptism after having Jesus preach to him, even though he was on a lonely road? And why did he rejoice after baptism rather than after he initially believed prior to baptism? Are you familiar with Acts chapter 8, verse 35, verses 35 through 39? This is in the context of an angel of the Lord telling Philip the evangelist to go and meet an individual who was traveling. He was a nobleman, a Ethiopian eunuch, he's called in some translations. And he is returning from Jerusalem. He has worshipped God in Jerusalem according to the Mosaic Code. And he's sitting in his chariot. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit has Philip to go near and to overtake the chariot. Philip comes to him. He runs to him. He hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man responds with, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asks Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place where he's reading the scripture was what we know of as Isaiah 53, how the Messiah was led as a sheep to the slaughter and how the Messiah as a lamb before its shear is silent, he didn't open his mouth and so forth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I asked, or I ask rather, 
of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then the evangelist Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, not the evangelist, the eunuch, he said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip uh, and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Folks, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did the eunuch request baptism after having Jesus preach to him? Even though he's on a lonely road, why? Because he knew what Jesus taught about baptism. You see, according to Scripture, when Jesus is taught, an honest person will respond with, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. What hinders me? What's stopping me from being baptized? Furthermore, why did the eunuch rejoice after baptism? You see, because before his baptism, he believed, verse 37, he did. But his faith had to act. He did believe. Why didn't he rejoice after he believed? Well, I believed, I rejoiced because I'm forgiven. Because in God's scheme... Forgiveness comes when a person by faith repents of sins and is baptized into Christ, into the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and is raised to walk a new life, Romans 6, 4. So if baptism isn't for the remission of sins, the eunuch certainly requested baptism at a strange time after hearing Jesus. If he'd have known he was saved before he was baptized, he wouldn't have requested it. And furthermore, he would have rejoiced before he was baptized if he knew he was saved before. Well, he wasn't. I say that with the, with the idea of making a point. Let's move forward in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. Acts 16, verses 32 and 33. Number three, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why was the jailer immediately baptized at midnight with only his family present. Look with me in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and following. Paul and Silas are imprisoned because they cast out a spirit of divination from a certain slave girl who was possessed of that spirit of divination. And her masters were making a lot of money off of her, and it it greatly uh, angered the masters because they saw that their hope of profit was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplaces to the authorities. And they bring them to the magistrates. And they say, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or to observe. And these... Uh, these leaders and the multitude together, they, they work it out where they have Paul and Silas beaten with rods. This is Acts 16, 22. And after they had received many stripes, they threw them into prison, 
They commanded the jailer to keep them securely. At midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to Almighty God, and the prisoners are listening. There's a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison are shaken. The doors of the prison are open, and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he supposes that the prisoners have fled. He draws his sword. He's about to kill himself, and Paul says, Don't do that. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. He calls for a light. He runs in. He falls down before Paul and Silas, and he brings them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 32 says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he, the jailer, and all his family were baptized. Again, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why was the jailer immediately baptized at midnight? Here's a man who had almost killed himself. Some would say he's in no mental condition to make a decision to serve God. He needs to think on it. Or we can schedule out his baptism, as many people do today. Why was the jailer immediately baptized at midnight? Because of what he heard when they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Verse 32. Now, some people will say no salvation was at the point of him believing on the Lord Jesus, meaning like faith only. No no acting on that faith. Just he, he just he mentally agreed with the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, and that was sufficient. Well, the passage doesn't say that. Instead, he has stated what he must do, and then he's told how to do it. He's told he must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he would be saved, him and his household. And then he's taught what that means. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Now, some people, they're denominational dogma would require them to say, well, no, you don't have to hear the word of the Lord. All you got to hear is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to hear the word of the Lord. That's all you need to hear. That only, that's the only part. Problem is he need know how to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what that meant. Folks, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is more than some mental ascent. It's understanding who Jesus is, what he's done and what he taught and acting on it. Folks, it, he took them the same hour of the night and washed them, washed their stripes so he was penitent. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Again, if baptism isn't for the remission of sins, why was the jailer immediately baptized at midnight with only his family present? Why didn't they call in the whole community? Why didn't they call in other brethren to, to witness this? That's what people do today. Well, because of the necessity that Christ has placed upon baptism, the, the emphasis, the importance. He spoke the word of the Lord to him, and when they heard the word of the Lord and what it means to call, or excuse me, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he was baptized. Number four, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why do we never find baptism deliberately delayed in the New Testament as it is often today? Why? If baptism isn't for remission of sins, when we look to the Scriptures, why do we never find baptism deliberately delayed as it often is today? 
The reason why is because there is nothing in the instructions regarding baptism that would cause someone to want to delay because of the nature of the command, the why behind the command. Something to think about. Why do we never find baptism deliberately delayed in the New Testament, as it often is today? Fifth Sunday, once a month, once a year, holidays, birthdays. You don't find that in Scripture. You do not find that. Number five, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why was the penitent believer Paul told to arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord or calling on his name. Acts 22, 16. There are some other details that I'll mention with this. The historical account that Luke gives of Saul's conversion, Acts chapter 9, after Jesus appeared to him, Jesus told him, to go into the city of Damascus and saw, you will be told what you must do. Folks, if there was nothing that a person must do, Jesus wouldn't have said that. Somebody says, well, that was talking about him becoming an apostle. Uh, it would include that, but prior to his becoming a, an apostle, he had to be baptized into Christ to be born again, to have his sins washed away. Again, if baptism is not for remission of sins, why was the penitent believer Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Paul, told, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins? Why? Well, folks, the, 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 the gymnastics, the, the, the hermeneutical and scriptural hermen, uh, gymnastics that a person does to try to get around that is very, very sad. And if someone that you love or you trust or you listen to as a Bible teacher writes that passage off, you need to be aware of that individual. You should first question them seriously. And if they don't explain it from context as meaning arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name, calling on the name of the Lord, then you need to stay away from that person. That's my suggestion to you. Next, let's see, five, number five. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why were the Roman Christians asked to recall their baptism as the time when they had been raised to walk in newness of life? Look with me at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Writing to Christians, Paul wrote, What shall we say then? He's, he's writing to Christians. He himself is a Christian. He's not writing to atheists. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's not writing to people who don't want to serve God. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why were these Christians in Rome told to recall their baptism as the time when they had been raised to walk in newness of life. Why? Folks, you can't have newness of life without being baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as a believer. Because Jesus shed his blood in his death and a person is baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The saving merits of Jesus are contacted. The saving merits of his death, they are contacted when a person by faith is baptized into his death and buried and raised to walk a new life. You see, new, that's so important. Well, folks, if baptism isn't for remission of sins, it makes no sense for Paul to tell these Christians at Rome to recall their baptism as the time when they had been raised to walk a new life. From baptism, again, look at it again, Romans 6, 3 and 4. Do you not know? That's a rhetorical question. They did, but they needed to be reminded that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him into baptism, into death, or through baptism, I should say, into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm going to pause there and make a couple concluding thoughts and comments And then I'm going to stop this episode and I'll do a part two. Here's the thing. Some people have been taught when they read passages such as Romans 6, 3, and 4, they will hear, they've been told, well, uh, yeah, it says baptism. They were baptized into Jesus' death. They were raised to walk a new life. But that's not water baptism. And they'll say something like, you know, there's a bunch of baptisms mis- mentioned in the New Testament. Aaron, you're just assuming that this one is water. It could be anything else. It could be baptism in the Holy Spirit. It could be a spiritual baptism. It could be, as some are now claiming, a non-literal, non-water baptism. Folks, God has always had one means of saving people. In other words, God has not said from the time of Pentecost forward, He has not said, you know, Joe, you can be saved this way. Susie, you can be saved another way. Joey, you can be saved a third different way. Philip, you can be saved a fourth different way. Aaron, there's a fifth different way. You can be saved that way too. And there's a sixth and on. You get my point. And that one way includes a person being baptized in water 
in the name of Jesus Christ. That would be by his authority for remission, forgiveness of sins. To be raised to walk a new life. The Romans had heard the gospel. And like other individuals that are recorded in Scripture, would have obeyed that gospel the same way that others did it. And it included their faith and their penitence culminating in them being immersed, that's the word baptized, baptism, being immersed in water for the remission of sins. Again, I I point you back to Acts chapter 8. When the eunuch heard Jesus preach, he said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? After he heard Jesus preached, not after he met Aaron Dodson, after he heard Jesus preached. Folks, the people at Rome were saved the same way the eunuch was. The people in Rome weren't saved a different way than the folks that, than the man the eunuch was. Every person since the day the church was started, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, have had to follow the same will, the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Jesus said he shed his blood for many for the remission of sins, Matthew 26, 28. No one thinks that means that Jesus shed his blood because people had the remission of sins. They understand that it means Jesus shed his blood in order that, looking toward the forgiveness of sins for many. The same language in the Greek is used and translated in the English at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the passage with which I started. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, the Greek word is ace, orienting one toward, looking toward, unto the remission, forgiveness of sins. And I profess to you, dear listener, the people in Rome, when they were buried with Christ in baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, They were not baptized with a non-literal baptism. There is absolutely zero evidence of that. They were baptized the same way the people on the day of Pentecost were, in water. The same way the eunuch was baptized on the the road to Gaza there, Acts chapter 8, in water. Folks, if water were not the element, the physical element into which a person was baptized, if that was not a part of Jesus and Jesus... uh, commands for a person to become a Christian, to be forgiven, to be saved, to be delivered from sin. The eunuch, when he said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized, Philip coulda, woulda, shoulda said, you're already saved. If you believe, you've received baptism. You've been baptized with a non-literal, non-water baptism. Now, folks, you see how silly that is, and that's far-fetched. What that is is inserting a, a, an assumed position into the text that's not there. From the time of John the baptizer through the ministry of Jesus and continuing on with Jesus' apostles, Acts chapter 2 and forward, the element into which a person was baptized for the forgiveness of sins was water. They were immersed in water 
in the authority or in the name of, that would be by his authority, for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins, so that their sins would be remitted. And that harmonizes with Acts twenty two sixteen, As Paul was told, he was a believer, he was penitent, but he needed his sins washed away. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts twenty two sixteen. Now, again, if baptism isn't for the remission of sins, we've got a bunch of problems here. And what people will often do is they'll go to all these passages and they'll read denominational commentaries. They'll listen to denominational preachers. They'll find some source that will try to explain how it doesn't mean what it says. And folks, if you're listening to this and, 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 and you're of that persuasion, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. I'm charging you from God's Word to test all things. Only hold to what is good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Don't you dare go off of just what someone says. And that is true of myself. Take everything I've said. Look at every passage. If you need to go back and listen to this over, go back and read the passages that I read, that I referenced. And... And, and, and please, if you have questions, if you have concerns or comments, you can find me on social media. You can reach out. I would like to have a discussion with you, not to argue, but in an attempt to persuade you that anyone who wants to know God's will can open up the gospel and they can learn what it means when the gospel says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. I believe that others can come to the same understanding because if baptism isn't for the remission of sins, we've got a lot of serious problems in Scripture, and we have some questions that cannot be carefully and logically answered. And so that would point further to the fact that the Scriptures mean what they say, especially in passages that are clearly to be taken literal. We're not talking about a figurative book of revelation. We're not talking about figurative languages, a language of judgment in the prophets. We're talking about what must I do to be saved? And he tells them exactly, explicitly, literally what to do. What must I do? Saul of Tarsus said, Acts 9.5. Go to the city, you'll be told what to do. And Ananias came to him, told him what to do. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, I won't re-preach this, but I'm going to reread this very quickly. If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did Peter answer those looking to be forgiven by telling them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? And how many would be comfortable giving that same exact answer today? If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why did the eunuch request baptism after having Jesus preach to him, even though he was on a lonely road? Why did he rejoice after baptism rather than before baptism when he believed? Why was the jailer immediately baptized at midnight with only his family present? Acts 16. Why do we never find baptism? If baptism isn't for remission of sins, why do we never find baptism deliberately delayed in the New Testament as, is, as it is often the case today? And if baptism isn't for remission of sins, why was the penitent believer Saul of Tarsus, Paul, told to arise and be baptized? 
and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Why? And finally, why were those Christians at Rome reminded that baptism was the time when they had been raised to walk in newness of life? And folks, Paul is discussing water baptism in Romans 6, 3, and 4 because that is the one baptism that was to last to the end of the age with which all penitent believers are to be baptized, that they're to engage in, that they're to obey. Well, again, if you have questions, I hope and I wish and I pray that you'd reach out to me and we could have a Bible dialogue together. Look for a part two on this. This is such an important subject. We can't overlook it. We can't afford to get it wrong. And I am convinced that Scripture is clear. If we will seek the Scriptures as the sole standard of authority, not commentaries, not religious leaders, and not past so-called church fathers, not modern dictionaries, no, instead we're going to look to the Scripture and the Scripture in its context alone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it. God bless, and we'll catch you next time.